0: into the net by Kylian Mbappé. Oh, Ben beautifully done. Cornet finds Dembele, the first touch is good, the second is deadly. Neymar still, oh my word, what a goal! Golovin! Lovely finish.
1: Oh yes, delivery again, Duzi's header. Here's an opportunity, Sanchez. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again! And Goldberg! Messi again, this time maybe Messi's done it!
2: Hello and welcome to Le Beau Jeux for this week's official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast in English. We put the kick and rush into the ooh of the French top flight. Coming up, we look at a huge week for Ligue 1 Uber Eats Englishmen, with Reims' following Balogun and Will Still, still going on a run as they clinch a point in Paris while Jim Ratcliffe's niece continue their revival and Steffi Mavadidi, remember him, Arsenal fans, bagged a sensational brace for Montpellier. Brittany Derby winners Lorient were the only top eight side to get a win in the round, so it's as you were at the top of the table. But could some last-minute recruitment prove decisive? We take a look at Ligan 1 Uber Eats January transfers and chat last-minute possibilities and that outrageous Alexi Sanchez moustache. Along with me this morning for the ride, Jonathan johnson and Angus Troad, say hello, gentlemen. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, how are you doing? Good morning. <laughs> Thank you, Angus. I didn't think you'd let me down. You can rate us, of course, on every single possible podcast platform going. Please do make sure it's a good one. You can also get in touch with us too. We love to hear from you via Twitter at League One World or at League One underscore eng. You can also email us your comments, League One Podcast at gmail.com and your questions we do love a listener question and you can see all the video highlights of every single game of the round on the official Ligan website that's league1.com Well where else to start but in the capital the Parc des Prince, on Sunday evening Rance with the visitors would PSG though be producing the champagne football Matt Spiro was there to find out
3: G tonight taking on a Stad de Reims team currently in mid-table but on a very good run of four that's a bad mistake immediately from Donnarumma and uh, Raus with an opportunity to capitalise inside the first 30 seconds here this is Paul from the Italian this is uh, flips crossing Balogun Balogun in space got the shot away once again this time it was straight out Donnarumma, switch of play from uh, Matusiwa asking a lot of flips. He's done well though, Alexi flips, and the cross as well has caused a real problem. Donnarumma saving on his line. Well, Rouse are getting closer here. Varate, Bernat, Hakimi lets it run. Messi, still Messi, and now surely Neymar! He puts the ball in, he's not offside. The goal will stand. Incredibly calm in front of goal. And uh, Paris Saint-Germain strike first. It was the first clear opportunity they've created tonight. Neymar made a run from deep. Messi's pass here. Well, it touches Hakimi, but I still think that... uh, But Neymar's onside. Bit of fortune about the goal. Bit of quality about the finish as well. So Paris Saint-Germain, having been under the cross somewhat in the first half, are a goal to the good now. It's a really good finish, that by Neymar. He makes it look easy, but he's waited here until the goalkeeper goes down. Now at the other end, a chance, and perhaps a penalty, yes! Rams have been given a penalty. A trip inside the penalty area. On Balogun, and Rouse with the chance to draw level. Ah, there's an offside there against Balogun. This penalty is going to be overturned, I would imagine. Balogun's offside. Oh, so he's having another look at this Verratti challenge on Ito. Okay, the yellow is being cancelled. It's a red card for Marco Verratti. Well, just 13 minutes into his comeback from injury, Marco Verratti sent off. No penalty for Rounds, but a red card for Verratti. Well, Hakimi, Messi, back for Ashraf Hakimi, for number two! Well, the flag has got up. Hakimi is being told that the goal won't stand. He took it so well. Yep, just offside, Hakimi. PSG go close again to making it 2-0. Oh, Balogun! Balogun in the clear, a huge chance, he's beaten the keeper and he has slotted a remarkable goal. In the sixth minute of added time following Balogun, claims a point for Rounds. It's a wonderfully taken goal and it is no more than Rounds have deserved. But PSG will be kicking themselves. Time was
2: up. So following Balogun again on target for Rance. What a season. He is having the on loan Arsenal striker on 11 goals now. That's just too shy of uh, that uh, goal drought driven striker. Kylian Mbappe, who has the meagre 13, it would seem. He replies to Neymar's cheeky finish with one bit of uh, real quality skill. Gentlemen, you both saw this game. JJ, it's more points dropped for Paris Saint-Germain in 2023. How do you explain this blip?
4: Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, I think many people were curious to see how PSG would fare post-World Cup. and We're getting that answer now. Uh, you know, PSG were unbeaten across all competitions. Uh, and once they came back to domestic action, uh, you know, it's not been particularly impressive, not been particularly convincing. And, you know, there are some major question marks now. And you've got Christophe Galtier as well, admitting that... Uh, it was uh, a pretty sleep-inducing first-half performance from his players and uh, that he's not happy at all, uh, you know, with some of the performances. Hinted as well, he's perhaps not happy with, uh, you know, some of the effort being put in by uh, by certain players. And you can see why, you know, PSG was second-best to France for much of that game, very fortuitous to take the lead early in the second half, uh, you know, and I think a draw was really the the least that uh, Will Still's men uh, deserve to come away from uh, Parc des Princes with. Uh, you know, they really, you know, turned up, put in a performance, you know, that was completely uninhibited. Uh, you know, and it, when teams do that, especially at this moment in time against this PSG, uh, you know, they genuinely tend to get the, the luck uh, that they, you know, merit from taking that approach because there's a lot of teams that would turn up, not want to try and play. Uh, you know, and the fact that Hans did, uh, you know, they came away with a very dominant first half where they were unlucky not to score. Outshot PSG, I think by something ridiculous, like seven or eight to to nothing or something like that. Uh, and then, you know, PSG got fortuitous with the with the goal. Verratti gets himself sent off. Uh, you know, Hans have the penalty overturned. Hakimi has the goal disallowed, and then Hans get the the equalizer very late on. So came away being very impressed by uh, Hans, but obviously. Huge worry for PSG with the, the Champions League return looming and, uh, uh, you know, all of the star players, you know, pretty much still failing to uh, to, to
2: click. Well, absolutely. Uh, you, you did mention Marco Verratti there, who did click of sorts, uh, coming off the bench to earn a red card, which I thought was a was an interesting note from our producer, Stephen uh, Willis. Thank you for that, Stephen. It, it's a little bit of a speciality, isn't it, for Verratti? But as you mentioned, JJ... One win in four for PSG, and Bayern not particularly in brilliant form themselves. It has to be said in the Bundesliga, coming up around the corner. But I mean, that Champions League thing is is still there. The shadow is looming over the mangas. We've talked we've talked about this before. And how concerned are you about PSG and and perhaps their European chances? But should we now also be really really not concerned, but kind of excited that we may actually have? some sort of, of real title race. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the pod and and PSG uh, PSG are still faltering.
5: Well, I suppose the good news for Paris Saint-Germain is at least um, Verratti's first ever straight red card for Paris Saint-Germain won't keep him out of the Coupe de France against Marseille. So that's the first um, thing. He'll miss uh, Montpellier and Toulouse. Um, they need him back because last night I really felt that Rance won the midfield battle. And it's not the first time that that's happened to Paris Saint-Germain when they've struggled this season. The, the performances from Munetsi Matasiwa, and specifically Kajusta, were magnificent. And because Soler, tended, he played a little bit higher up the pitch, I thought he was going to be in midfield, which would have evened it all out. It meant that um, Vitinha and Ruiz were a little bit outnumbered. And as a result, they, they had to sort of like bypass the midfield a lot to try and get to Mbappe and Messi and Neymar as much as they could. Neymar obviously drops back to take possession. But it doesn't seem to be enough. And they're still struggling with this this idea of a four four two. Um, And I know that um, Christophe Galtier is looking for a third way of playing so that he can take on the games like the one against Bayern Munich. But it's a little bit iffy at the moment. The thing is, these problems are generally happening to them away from home. I mean, their last seven defeats have all been away. They've still got this massively long home run. So in terms of the Part de Prince, I think that they'll probably step up because I think the likes of Neymar, and Mbappe and Messi, when they're up against a team like Bayern Munich, will take it to the next level. And I think it will remind them of the feelings they had when they're at the World Cup, because there is no doubt that they they all look a little bit jaded. And I don't mean that in a tired way. I mean, in a mental way. And... I think that uh, once they get something like Bayern Munich in their way, I think that probably will turn around again. But this is the thing that's happened with the World Cup in the middle of the season: is that an awful lot of stuff is happening that we've not come across before.
2: Absolutely, but uh, Christoph Galtier is saying that the World Cup wasn't wasn't a, an excuse or shouldn't be shouldn't be an excuse, and uh, maybe a crisis yeah. of uh, complacency. Complacency. Exactly. Did I you mean, did you see yeah. that in the in the in the game yesterday in the performance yesterday, Angus?
5: Oh right, they were trying hard. I mean, there's no, there was lots of running, and um, the three up front were desperately trying to link up with each other. Um, It's a nice phrase, (laughs) though—a crisis of complacency. It's a good way of avoiding a crisis of confidence uh, argument. Um, But no, I just think that we saw it a little bit last season as well, and it didn't last very long. And then they were right back to form again. What's the worry is that if it turns into the season before that. because last night was a huge opportunity. I mean, n- only L'Oreal in the top six actually won over the weekend. Very strange weekend indeed. So Paris Saint-Germain there missed out on a really big uh, opportunity to reinsert themselves.
2: Yeah, just, a, just a quick word about, about Reims. Will Still, the English-born, uh, Belgian-raised um, Reims coach. Incredible. Incredible start to his career. <laughs> Ten league games unbeaten now. Since taking charge, ras unbeaten in twelve. I mean, that's that's just incredible form from them. And but they're hugely reliant on Balligan, aren't they, JJ? He's got half of their goals this season. Eleven of twenty-two, unsurprisingly, the highest ratio for any player in in Ligue 1. Only uh, Robbie Thompson's all-time favourite Rans striker Boulay uh has has ever scored more for Rans in the top flight in the twenty-first century. That was fourteen. Back in 2020, 2021, Balogun well on course to beat that. Of course, Balogun's on loan from Arsenal, uh, who are doing superbly in the English Premier League right now. But when you look at Balogun, JJ, Will still talks about a complete striker. Are you seeing a, a potentially huge star of the future?
4: I don't know how high his ceiling is at the moment, but yeah, I'm seeing a, a, a player with really, really significant potential. I think the, um, the the potential pursuit of him at international level is really starting to heat up. There's a lot of people taking an interest in, in him uh, over in the States because he is USMNT eligible, born in uh, New York City, but of course could play for Nigeria, could also play for England <clears throat> as well. Uh, I mean, I think it's going to be really interesting to see if he does maintain this form up until the end of the season, what Arsenal decide to do with him, because we all know about, uh, you know, the the sort of embarrassments of riches that Mikel Arteta has available to him and how well Arsenal is doing at the moment, because, you know, Balogun now with this sort of, I guess, what we could call a breakout season for, for, for Reims, you know, I think he absolutely has, has showed that he can, uh, you know, play the starting role for, uh, you know, with all due respect to Haas, uh, you know, potentially a a bigger club, maybe one that's, you know, eyeing Europe for for next season. Uh, I do think it'll be difficult slash impossible for for Haas to to keep him beyond the end of this season because I can't see him going out on loan again. And if he was to go out temporarily, I think it, again it would be to a club that's looking to get themselves into the into the continental mix. But, you know, on Hans themselves, uh, you know, I think Will Still's done an absolutely fantastic job sort of coming in, being initially the interim and then being given the job at least until the end of the season. Uh, you know, you look at the way, uh, you know, that they set up uh, and it's not all just about Balogun as well. I thought Munezzi was superb in the midfield. I thought Agbadou as well had a very, very solid game in defence. Uh, you know, there's some really unsung heroes uh, in this Haas side. Uh, you know, and I was I was a little worried for them coming into this season when you saw guys like Reykjavik, uh, you know, moving on guys who, you know, single handedly have won them points in the past, uh, you know, and then to go and essentially unearth somebody like Balogun, Uh, you know, and it was interesting to hear what he was saying after the game as well, because he was saying how being coached by still at this moment in time when he doesn't speak that much French, you know, you know, the communication that they have together in English uh, is absolutely enabling him to get the best. Uh, you know, out of his uh, out of his skill set, uh, and I certainly think he's going to be somebody who a lot of clubs uh, are taking a look at on the transfer market this summer, based on
5: what he's doing right now with this impressive Reims side. I was I was um, thinking about Arsenal, and I mean they they haven't really got an awful lot of centre forwards, and uh, Gabriel Jesus is out injured, has been out for for three months since the World Cup. Eddie and Ketia though has taken over and has really hit the ground running for them, but he's their only fit dedicated centre forward. So it depends in which direction Mikel Arteta wants to go. And there's already speculation that um, Balogun might be called back before the end of the season. So I, I think that um, it's a, it's, if he does go, then Rance, I think, become a completely different prospect. And then suddenly we're talking a completely different conversation. Well, for the moment,
2: Rance on a roll. PSG on a stroll, it would seem. Not really hitting, hitting top gear yet, but they're still three points clear. Because they're fortunate because Lens are stumbling too. They've dropped six points in their last five, have uh, Franck Ezer's side. They drew at Troyes. Patrick Kisnobo's Troyes getting a precious point. It took a late Adrian Thomason equaliser as well for Lens. His uh, second goal, I believe, for his new club after he netted in the Coupe de France as well to rescue a point for Franck Ezer's side at Troyes. Still in trouble at the uh, at the wrong end of the table as as far as they're concerned. Four points above the bottom four, but Lens, three behind and only two clear still of Marseille because they too failed to win as Andy Scott found out with Monaco, the visitors to the Stade Velodrome.
1: Inseguir. Head forward to Ben Yedder, he might have a run on goal here. Wissam Ben Yedder, deadly finisher, into the penalty box, just couldn't really get that ball right from under his feet, it comes back to Ben Seguir and it needs a good save, low down from Ruben Blanco to prevent Monaco from taking the lead. Anderson and Yusuf Fofana among the players forward, it is Golovin who plays it in and it's an own goal! I think it was Jordan Veretout whose header beats his own goalkeeper, Ruben Blanco and it's Monaco who take the lead, the velodrome silenced except for the Vague noise of about 400 away fans high up inside the stadium celebrating. It was Jordan too who got the touch. Miros uh, uh, unchallenged by a Monaco player. And his header gives Blanco no chance. Monaco rewarded because they've been the more dangerous team in the early exchanges here. They lead by a goal to nil. Now then ball is broken very kindly from wissam there surely this time, in the second attempt, he puts it wide, an incredible miss from Benjadar. Well, usually so reliable, and uh, how Benjadar has not scored in the first half hour of this game is uh, beyond me. Here's Nuno Tavares, drills it in, it's not held by Nurbel, And Marseille level, it's taken less than 90 seconds of the second half for the goal to come. It's Alexis Sanchez who scores it. A tenth goal of the season for the Chilean, and uh, the change made at the beginning of the second half by Igor Tudor, playing its part in that goal. Alexander Nubel taking some responsibility as well, but Nuno Tavares has moved from uh, the left to the right since uh, the break. It was his shot that wasn't held by Monaco's German goalkeeper, and Sanchez, like any good goal poacher, straight in there. To score the rebound. Well, Marseille were lucky not to be further behind at halftime. Now they're level.
2: So Jordan Veretout's own goal. Uh, I think that's the third of the season, is it for uh, for for Marseille? Quite quite prolific in front of uh, their own goal. Surprisingly, cancelled out by the man with the uh, power stash. As uh, our executive producer Stephen Willis would have it, Alexi Sanchez, um, again, given the results, gentlemen, at the weekend, that's a missed opportunity, surely, for for Marseille, don't you think, JJ?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you look at the table at the moment, and you look at the fact that PSG were giving away, uh, you know, points of late. That that was a a massive opening for for OM to to close the gap on uh, on Loss uh you know it was also an opportunity missed i guess we could say for for monaco as well with uh with ren uh you know suffering uh, another uh, uh unwanted result it's um you know it's it, it, like uh, angus said earlier it's been a fascinating weekend sort of in terms of the the top six teams and the fact that lorient uh, you know sort of the lowest ranked of all of them were the only ones to actually pick up the win but uh you know for for Marseille, i mean you do feel like especially given that there's no uh, you know, European competition to concern themselves with between now and the end of the season, that they will be a team that continues to, if not rise, then at least, you know, sort of continue to put the pressure on loss, uh, you know, to, to keep moving up that table and get in there behind, uh, you know, PSG. Obviously, they've got the the sort of added spice of that Coupe de France uh, matchup against PSG as well. So it's, uh, you know, I think, yes, it is a, an opportunity for missed for, for Marseille, but also at the same time. When you're looking at the teams that they could potentially you know drop points against or would want to at least avoid defeat against monaco would probably be one of those sides especially given monaco have that reputation of normally uh you know sort of uh you know hitting their second wind uh you know over the the final part of the season so i think yes disappointing uh given that it was at home but also at the same time uh you know given the way that the results worked out this weekend. Uh, you know, I don't think it's sort of terminal. I think they can still sort of hope to break into, into that top two. Uh, you know, and it'll be really interesting to see if Lens can sort of overcome, uh, you know, the wobble that they're having of late.
2: So Marseille in third, still five points clear of Monaco then in fourth. Marseille had been on eight wins in a row. Monaco with decent momentum too, lost once in just their last eight. But Marseille making big moves in the transfer window. One of the, the sensations of the World Cup was Angers, or previously Angers, Azadine Unahi with, uh, with Morocco, of course. Finally, a move has been made and he's gone to Marseille. At the same time, Pap Gay leaving on loan to, to Sevilla and talking the French media that unless there's a massive offer from JJ's favourite uh, Aston Villa for Matteo Genduzi and, and a reunion with Unai Emery, Genduzi will be staying. So, Unahi. As a, as, a, as a reinforcement into that squad, Angus, that looks like a pretty good move based on his World Cup form.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, he's a very dynamic, versatile midfielder who can play a sweeping role as well as attacking midfield as well. And uh, he'll certainly bring some ideas to that, um, to that Marseille lineup, particularly with uh, Dimitri Payet's um, star seemingly not quite as bright as it used to be as well. So it's another direction for them. Marseille, they need to find a way to be able to um, stop going behind in games. And maybe a a better attack will help them to go in front a bit more. I mean, they've recovered 11 points from being behind. But the problem is, is that they keep going behind. So they need to install themselves much more. If they want to really be a a rival to Paris Saint-Germain, then clearly they need some strength in depth because they don't have enough of it at the moment. And so, yeah, I think it's a very good move. Let's face it, not many people have really heard of a Naui before the, uh, the World Cup, unless you're a really avid Angers fan. But, yeah, he, he, the World Cup is where you put yourself in the shot window, and he certainly did that.
2: He certainly did. I just struggle to, to see, really, where he fits in uh, to, to, to Igor Tudor's side, unless Gendouzi does go, and that these French media reports that he will stay um, are, 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 just, are just wide of the mark. JJ? I mean, you you must be much more in touch with uh, the Aston Villa end of things than, than I am. Gendouzi, Gendouzi to Villa, is is that likely? Is that is that something that Villa fans would hope, hope to see? And is that something that you would hope to see as a Villa fan and being based in France and having seen how well Gendouzi has done over the last couple of seasons for Marseille?
4: Yeah, I mean, obviously Villa have this, uh, you know, something of a growing French contingent, or they did at least until... Uh uh and until they got rid of two of their players and sent them back to to Lyon with uh, Gilbert and uh, Sanson going to to Strasbourg but um you know Bubakar Kamara has been a, an absolute revelation in the in the Villa midfield and uh you know this sort of Marseille to Villa pipeline uh you know is is proving quite fruitful so you know logically a lot of Villa fans are excited about the prospect of Gendouzi coming in and reuniting with uh with Unai Emery uh you know is the interest um from Villa in in Genduzi, real yes, absolutely it is. yeah uh, Unaimer is very very keen to to work with him again, uh, and uh, you know Villa are prepared to put a, a significant offer in front of Genduzi. The question is whether they can actually find. Uh, you know the right uh, amount of uh, transfer funding to to persuade OM to part with Gündüz now. I mean, obviously Marseille have their bases covered with Unahi coming in. I think it was quite interesting as well to see the dynamic in that Unahi move. That in that as soon as he became available for this month, uh, they dropped their interest in Illich, who was going to be coming in from uh, Verona. Uh, you know, and I think as well. The other thing you have to bear in mind with Marseille is there seems to be a lot of quite rapid turnover in this squad. Players will come in, play sort of like 18 months, almost two years maximum, uh, and then sort of get moved on. So, you know, I think they're starting to put the pieces in place, uh, you know, for Tudor to build, you know, the kind of squad with the players that, you know, he has given his seal of approval to. And I'm not necessarily saying that Gendouzi wouldn't be one of those players, but obviously there is some temptation on the players' part to go and reunite with Emery at some point. Whether that's in January, whether that's in the summer, we'll have to wait and see. But I think given the fact that Villa's form has picked up now under Emery, uh, you know, they are a much more attractive proposition for a player like Gendouzi than they were at the beginning of the window.
2: Yeah, if, if Everybody knows that I'm very, very weather-oriented. And frankly, if I had the choice between Marseille and Birmingham, there's only one choice for me, and, I, and it ain't Birmingham. Anyway... <laughs> But how
4: but how many of those Marseille players have had a Balti pie in their life?
2: <laughs> or
5: been to the ballroom?
2: <laughs> well, uh you've just tipped the scales there, JJ. Yeah, Genduzi clearly off the villa for the Balti pies there. You heard it here first, or probably second. Anyway, more in more former Arsenal uh, Arsenal player news, Stevie Mavadini had a busy weekend. Montpellier uh hitting a little bit of former a brace for him. As they travel to Auxerre, Angus uh, getting the uh, getting the tissues out lost last six. Angus's favorite league and team failed to score in their last four. It's painful. It's a painful return to the to to the top flight for the Burgundy side. Benjamin Leconte, though, having a great return to Montpellier. Uh, he's been playing at Espanyol, which uh, must be, must be quite nice in in Barcelona. Saving a penalty in added time to deny Auxerre a bit of consolation. We've been talking about them before, Lorient. Somehow, fifth mm. in the table, the only top uh, the only top eight side to win, they got a two one Brittany bragging rights victory on Friday against Wren. Um, Regis Labrice's nephew Teo, smashing home the winner for, for them, which is uh, which is quite nice. Regis Labrice, how about this? thirty five points from his first 20 games, the next best performance by a Lorion coach ever. Is Bernard Cassoni talking about uh, former Marseille players? Twenty-four. Rennes, another blip for them. It's a, it's a real, it's a real shame, perhaps for for the league and title race, but uh, not really for PSG that their challengers seem to be stumbling just at the time that PSG are also stumbling. Rennes, as I said, three losses in their last five for, for Bruno Genesio's side. Big win for Brest, four-nil over Angers, who've now lost. 12 in a row. Jeremy Ledua-Ron-Ron-Ron-Ron Ron, Ron, Ledua, Ron, Ron, on target for the, the home side. Mounier, Steve Mounier as well. Former Huddersfield striker Steve Mounier. Four in his last five to give Eric Waugh a first league win in charge in his first game in charge. And I think uh, everybody on the podcast would send their condolences to Pierre-Lise Melu, who, uh, who uh, said in midweek that his uh, daughter, his young daughter, six months old, I believe, had uh, died, had passed away, so all our condolences to him. He did play in that game as well and scored, so uh, much credit to him. Toulouse had touchman Thijs Dalinger to, come, to thank for their come-from-behind win over Strasbourg. Uh, Angus, is this the time? Is this the moment? Is this the moment, the weekly moment where I, I hear the bus coming? And I'm about to see when I brought
5: them out of the Champions League for next season. Is that what you're talking about? (laughs) Yes, I'm talking about that one. They are officially out of the Champions League (laughs) reckoning. Yes, absolutely. Oh, you heard it.
2: You heard it here first. You heard (laughs) it here first. I'll tell you why they're they're out of this. I'm
5: sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not having that. I might have got it wrong with the Champions League, but nobody at the beginning of the season was predicting a a relegation battle. Nobody.
2: This is... This is fair. Nobody was predicting a relegation battle, but they're very, very much in it. Strasbourg on 15 points, three points now, adrift of outright safety with Breasts win. So Strasbourg in 17th on 15. Ajaxio will be coming to them and their game against Lyon in, in a minute. They're on 15 as well, third from bottom. Auxerre, two points worse off on 13. They're second from bottom, and I think Angers, eight points from uh, their 20 games I think we can pretty much unfortunately for them forget about them for this season they are as good as relegated has to be said at this stage of the season there's there's a statement boys you can throw me under the bus later in the season when they pull off a miraculous escape uh, one other result to bring you and unfortunately not particularly inspiring one Clermont nil Nantes nil the only league and Uber Eats game in history to end with no shots on target but uh, Nantes Still on a very, very good run. One loss in their last 10. They're up into uh, the relative safety of mid table and seven points the difference between them. A rather healthy seven points, too, between them and the bottom four. So let's head to beautiful Corsica. It really is beautiful. If you ever get the chance to go there, uh, certainly take it. It's a, it's a wonderful place. Ajaxio hosted Leon on Sunday. Afternoon and Armel Tongi saw this one.
0: Space for a smile, Diallo. Scherke had moved up high. That's a lovely ball. Now Bilaili, good football. This from with Musitioko in on goal still. And Munair, Elidrisi, sees his shot saved. And this is uh, very much Leon on the ropes here. Lovely build-up play between Elidrisi. Uh, Bilalli and Musitioko. Barkala taking on Yusuf Into Kakere. Gets it back, Barkala, it'll find Le Penon, who opens the scoring. A side footed finish into the bottom corner. And that's a blow for Ajaccio, who'd started this game so strongly. Leon, 1 0 up thanks to Johan Le Penon. Bradley Barkala combining with Maxence Kakere on that left hand side. Lovely ball back to Barkala from the little midfielder and Johan Lepernol, the deepest of the midfield three up, supporting inside the penalty box and scoring his first goal for Lyon Bellini makes his way towards the six yard box, Mongani delivers Bellini gets his head to it, it's off the post closest to Jaxio have come so far no surprise, it's Youssef Belaili. Kakaray's touch, Lacazette spreading for Cherki. Lovely ball that from the Lyon captain. Cherki now taking on Diallo. Getting to the byline, Ryan Cherki. Lacazette's there, it's just over his head. Taliafico first time for Tolisso. Gets it back, the Argentine. Lacazette's waiting, and Lacazette finishes. Lyon get their second. That's the difference between the two teams. They tried from both sides on this occasion. Taliafico with a clever touch got it back from Toliso. And then they were queuing up in the middle. Alexandre Lacazette at the front of the queue. After netting a hat trick last weekend in the Coupe de France, that is his 12th league goal of the season. They see Ajaccio 0. Olympique Lyonnais 2.
2: So once again. Laurent Blanc digging into the uh, well into the Lyon kindergarten basically. Johan Le Pennant, Bradley Barkler, Ryan Sherkey. OL getting a first win in four matches. Okay, all timers Alexander Alexandre Lacazette and Corentin Tolisso also playing key roles. But Angus, I mean, this was this was a must-win for Laurent Blanc and his side won it.
5: Well, it's been a, it's a slow, painful route back to some kind of form, isn't it? I mean. Laurent Blanc was brought in, fanfare. He was going to turn things around. Paris Saint-Germain's most winningest um, coach ever um, with his titles there. Um, but to be honest with you, the start he's made is not an awful lot of an improvement on what Peter Bouges left him to start with. I mean, four wins is is not particularly impressive. And it's hard to really see the direction that they are going in, to be quite honest with you. And it's not surprised that maybe Laurent Blanc has decided, right, it's time to to really bring some players into the club who absolutely breathe the club. So seven of the 11, I think it was, were who started from the academy um, either before or now. And uh, a lovely moment for Le Pen, who got his first goal set up by a really good run by Bradley Barkler down the left-hand side. And that I think set the tone. I mean, it was nice to see some genuine joy, you know, uh, that was expressed by, by Leon. La led by example, I don't think you can. he's one of the few players you cannot fault, really, for what he's done since he came in, made captain straight away, and he is trying to lead them. But the trouble is they just keep getting rid of all their best players. And it's very hard to actually build something really solid if every time you make some progress, you get rid of the person that is the current leader of that pack. And until they manage to stop doing that, it's going to be difficult in terms of Champions League quality.
2: Oh, it's gonna be very difficult in terms of Champions League qualification. Leon ninth. Um, fortunate that nobody really ahead of them won apart from from Lorion, but they're still nine points adrift, the fifth place. That's that's Ren currently ten adrift of fourth, and uh, a massive fifteen short of the of third place, which could give them Champions League qualification for next season. You mentioned Peter Boss there, Angus. Actually, Laurent Blanc's record is exactly the same as Peter Boss's from his First yeah. uh, ten, 10 games in charge. You are right, though, about the about the youth academy. Seven of the players uh, are in the starting lineup from the Leon youth academy, but that's including Lacazette, Toliso and, and Anthony Lopez, who are of course uh, real real old stages now. But also huge experience with Taliafico as well, and, and Deon Deon Lovren, who's come back to the club. But Angus, there mentioned JJ about Leon just selling their best players, Mal has gone to to Chelsea, who seem to they seem to have found uh, several millions down the back of a, what must be an incredibly large sofa in in West London. They've they've invested they've invested again, uh, and Tete has gone on loan to Leicester. Slightly disappointed that he didn't go on loan to Fulham, so that uh, Fulham could have played with Tete and Tete on the right hand side, which would have been a commentator's nightmare. Um, they brought in a young forward, Amin Saar from from Vin, Julian Pollersbeck, the the backup goalkeeper. Is uh, is expected to well third goalkeeper is expected to leave Kane V, which is a nice uh, name. Twenty years old, another Leon youth academy prospect promoted to to third keeper. But JJ, just a quick word on Malagusto. I was a huge fan, or i am a huge fan uh, of him. Thirty million to Chelsea. That's a big step for, for for a for a kid who's he's not got a huge amount of of league and experience. hasn't got a huge amount of of European experience. How do you think he'll fare in England
4: it's in it's interesting it's um you know it's it's definitely a a move for the future which is in line with a lot of these uh you know Chelsea transfers of late um you know, but he is a player who's shown uh you know glimpses of uh, of his potential i mean I also think from a leon point of view he's probably. He's probably one of the players that they maybe could have most afforded to let go of anyway, given that you've got Kumbedi coming through, who's also, uh, you know, coming out of the academy. So sort of in terms of having his replacement lined up, they do already have that. But sort of to to Angus's point, uh, you know, I don't think that Lyon can expect to not, that you know, to keep hot to continue to keep hold of their star players when they're not getting back into Europe. You know, this is going to be what, uh, you know, their second consecutive season without Europe. And they've already had a couple of campaigns without continental football uh in the last couple of years. You know, it it's an affront to to Leon's modern League on history, uh, you know, the way that they're performing at this moment in time, you know, to not have OL uh, you know, in Europe is 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 bad for the French game. Uh and it's uh, you know, a shame to see them sort of uh, you know, dwelling down sort of in uh, in, in mid-table at the moment with let's face it, no major hope uh of qualifying for europe this season unless somebody above them in that top five you know massively starts to drop form maybe ren will we'll have to wait and see obviously they were unlucky with the injury to martin terrier but you know i think there's a number of players in that Lyon side now uh you know that a lot of clubs are going to be looking at and it's not just malagusta going to chelsea you're going to have a lot of clubs coming in taking a look at likes of lukeba as well who is one of if not the uh, you know sort of the leading young talent, uh, defensive talent in Europe right now. So you know I think this is probably just the beginning. Uh, you know for Leon in terms of having to try and swat away some offers from uh, you know European clubs that are you know seizing this opportunity to 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 make the most of uh, of, of Leon's struggles. But Malaga, you know I have confidence in him sort of long term to go and establish himself. I'm not sure that Chelsea is necessarily the right move him at this moment in time but then again i'm saying that about pretty much anybody that chelsea is signing <laughs> at this moment in time because i'm not convinced by the strategy that they're putting in place either but um uh you know i do think it's a good thing for leon that they're able to keep him until the end of the season but uh you know it is it, it is worrying times for uh for for, for laurent Blanc and uh and, and his side because despite the fact that they continue to churn out these fantastic youth academy graduates uh, you know the results are not picking up enough on the pitch, and uh, you know I think John Textor is in for a very, very, uh, you know, bumpy opening to to his uh, tenure with, uh, with with Leon, given uh, you know the turbulence that's probably ahead if Leon do miss out on Europe as expected.
2: Nice aeroplane reference there for 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 John textor uh, JJ. I, l- I like that because we had that story in in the French media a couple of weeks ago about how how he likes to travel uh, via budget airline. Which uh, which isn't isn't always the most comfortable ride. Perhaps uh, there's a metaphor to be had there, and and given that Gusto's 19 and Combedi, see so he, so he's already he's already thinking about Leon's
4: transfer budget.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he, I mean, <clears throat> he can probably get a new player and and offer them in additional wages by not uh, by not adding hand, not adding uh, you know checked in luggage to his to his trip. But that's uh, that's another point. Um, but given that Gusto's 19 and Combedi 17. Uh, how far? I just wonder how far back they're looking for the next right back. Um, kindergartens in Leon, uh, beware of uh, of Leon OL scouts peering into the into the schoolyard with binoculars at your four year olds. I should imagine. Um, fourth loss on the bounce for Ajaxio, uh, three points shy of safety. So it's uh, it's not all done and dusted at the bottom of the table. Not by not by any any stretch of the imagination. Leon, though, in a rather miserable ninth place, as we said quite a long way off the podium uh, for sure. They are still in the Coupe de France though and have uh, got a, a fairly tricky home tie against Lille in the last 16. They're just ahead in the table of Nice who actually played Lille as a coincidence would have it at the Allianz Riviera. Andy Scott was on hand to see this one.
1: In come Lille on the break again. Melvin Bar was out of position it inside and uh, David lays it off to Cabela. He's put it wide. It really should have been the opening goal for Remy Cabela. Well, that's a couple of times now when Lille have had huge chances on the breakaway. Timothy Weyer to David. David Lille's leading scorer laying it off unselfishly for Remy Cabela who was in a better position. Ball given away by Thuttybo Cabela this time. Surely opens up his body this time and... Schmeichel makes the save and, well, Cabela probably should have passed it, Mohamed Bayer was alongside him. Uh, Remy Cabela squandering another golden chance for Leal to take the lead here. Angel Gomez with the switch of play to the far side. Now this time Lille are in, surely the opening goal. Oh, it's come off the woodwork. Well, Schmeichel... Got a big touch to it. And Nice survive again. Timothy Weyer denied. Weyer tries his luck a second time. How are Lille not in front here? A kick lifted into the middle, headed out by Turam. down field by Gaetan Laborde. Oh, and well, big trouble here. Buonani, he squares it, and Laborde will surely score the goal. Nice take the lead, it's a horrible moment for Lille, who've passed up so many chances to score themselves at the other end, and a defensive mistake now cost them dear. Gaetan Laborde, the scorer, and Nice showing Lille how to do it and showing Remy Cabella how to do it. It was Cabella who was the last man back, who was caught out under pressure from Buonani, he gave that ball away. Horrible moment for Remy Cabella. Buonani, the ex leal youngster, setting up the goal. Laborde finishing it. It's Nice one, Lille nil.
2: So Nice do the double over Leal this season. Second successive clean sheet, although that had a lot uh, to do with Kasper Schmeichel, who made seven saves. First loss in 6-4 Lille. Didier Diga, first Nice coach to win his opening two home games since Albert Emon in 1994 remember that uh, remember that year boys that was a, that was a little while ago and gives you a gives you a sign of just a uh, gives you an indication of just how much nice have struggled in in the last two decades they've certainly struggled this season as well but now just one loss in their last 11 league outings five wins Degar seems to be doing all right six the 6-1 win against montpellier which is more than all right 0-0 at Rance, which looks a very, very good result given the form that they're in, and now a home win over over Lille. As we as we said for 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 Leon, Nice still a long way from, from the, the European places, eight points, uh, in fact sorry, nine points, excuse me. But I think the question is the form that they're showing and the way that they're playing, is that going to be enough for Sir Jim Ratcliffe not to make huge Wholesale swinging changes again in the summer, which seemed to 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 really sort of set the sides a little bit back at the start of this season, and 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 really cost Lucien Favre his his job. Angus,
5: well, yes, um, I mean, yes, it's a good start. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But if you're making records after just two games, then you know that the bar is very low. I mean, it's not exactly what's going on. You know, you can't really compare that to what's going on at Rance or even at Lorient uh, at the moment. But um, yeah, they 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 were struggling. They 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 really haven't recovered from losing Christophe Galtier. That's at the heart of all of this, I think, is that they, you, they've just lost that rigidity, that solidity at the back. Um, it's been it's been very tough for them. I, I, it was good to see Kefren Turam uh, at least rediscover his mojo in the next last few games. Um, he needed to um, and Kasper Schmeichel looks like he's also beginning to become sharp again like he was when Leicester won the title in England in the Premier League Um, and even Danch has uh, although he's suddenly become a goal creator um, but he's obviously coming towards the back end of his career and with Jim Radcliffe coming into Nice it's really the future that they really need to start thinking about and there's a big job we were talking about. There's a big job at uh, at Lyon, but um, you know, down down the, the the Rhone, the Rhone, and then into the Var. It's the same kind of thing. I think at the Alliance Riviera, they they have a lot of work to do if they are to become anywhere close to what they were even last season. JJ, did you want to say something about Nice?
4: I think for for nice the thing that fascinates me now is the fact that they seem to have uh you know gotten the the balance right behind the scenes obviously picking up uh Giselfi from from Lens uh is a coup based on you know what he's managed to construct there uh over the last couple of years and now i think the hope for Nice is that he'll be able to sort of step that up a notch uh you know for a club with a budget that you know that can sort of dream of uh champions league qualification uh, I do worry that they might have left it a little bit too late this season uh you know to to qualify for europe given the the competition for places then again we're still just past the midway point of the season so anything can happen it's going to be a long second half of the of the campaign so nice picking up form now uh is uh you know I think um you know bodes well for them uh you know over the the business half of the campaign and I think uh, Didier Digar as well he's sort of following in this pattern. Uh, of interim bosses who impress enough to potentially keep the job until the end of the season, because let's face it, if Nice are going to you know make some of those sweeping changes again in line with the the changes that they've already made behind the scenes, it's logical that they probably wait until the summer now to to make a managerial appointment instead of bringing somebody in now, disrupting what's been a fairly decent start to life for Diga, uh, and uh, you know risking having to to start all over again uh, next season. Uh, you know, I do think that the the pieces are there to to have a very strong and and convincing project. I, I just think it needs a bit of time and a bit of patience. And the one thing that I don't think really helps Nice's cause is the fact that Radcliffe seems to be linked with De Pre- Premier League clubs every other week uh, at this moment in time. I think once there is, uh, you know, some sort of clarity on on you know on whether Ineos is actually their sort of. You know, sorry, whether Nice is at the the head of the NES project or if there's going to always be some other sort of solicitation of other bigger, more prestigious clubs, perhaps, uh, you know, then, uh, you know, I think that will always breed an air of uncertainty. But you look at some of the hires that are being made at the moment, you know, pinching Jean-Claude Blanc from, from PSG as well. That is a massive coup, you know, so I think Nice really have the potential to build themselves into uh, you know one of the most genuine uh, sort of contenders for PSG's crown, uh, you know, moving forward, it's just up to them now to make the most of uh, the the remainder of this season, try and scrape a European place, uh, and then keep building with the with the momentum from there.
2: Yeah, interesting to, to to those those comments absolutely echo those. JJ, I think that the patience needs to be shown, and that's that's not exactly usually the the, the key quality of of. Of multi-millionaire and multi-billionaire in this in this case owners, but I absolutely agree with you that Nice do have the potential to be massive, and uh, maybe not quite on the scale of, of the potential that Newcastle United have, um, for example. But there's, there's there's certainly there's a fan base there, there's a stadium there, and I think there's a team there. And Angus mentioned Kefren Turam, who I think is a fabulous player. I think he's he is he's the new Pogba for me. For for French football, look out for him. I mean, you know the name already. You just don't know the first name, really. Um, I think he might be twenty now. The younger brother of of Marcus Turam, uh, the younger son of of former now all time uh, French national team appearance record cap man. If that's a, if that's even a word, Lilian Turam, a World Cup winner and Euro two thousand winner. He's he's a brilliant player. Um, one negative point, and if, if we're coming back to. To more on-loan uh, Arsenal players, Nicola Pepe picking up what could be uh, a season-ending injury. So Bilal Brahimi, once of Middlesbrough, who was due to go out on loan to Troyes, has now been kept back by Nice. So uh, we'll be keeping an eye on on whether Pepe can feature again for Nice this season. But Nice mid-table. Lille down into seventh with Lorient winning, moving ahead of them. Uh, Lille four points off fourth. Nine points off uh, off the, off third place, um, guys. Paloff on side. Just just quickly, are we going to see them, you know, recover from this 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 little setback and again keep challenging for for the European places, or do you think Lille are just a little bit short this season?
5: I don't know. I mean, anything I say is going to be uh, wrong anyway. So I <laughs> mean, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, who knows? What's going damn to it. happen? But I mean, damn it! You yeah, saw through well, my plan. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah, I, the the trouble with Leal again is again it's the budget, isn't it? Um, being able to consistently challenge um, at the top end is hard because with the the dominant force being Paris Saint Germain sucking in all of the best players, um, <clears throat> you you occasionally are going to get another team that have a splendid year like Lance are having this season. Um, ironically, they lost the architect uh, of their rise now to go somewhere else. Just at the point when are actually becoming a Champions League team, but anyway, that's a, an aside. Um, for Lille, they're so inconsistent. That's the the problem, and they fit into this this uh, this bracket with uh, with Lyon uh, as well. Is that um, there are teams that have pretensions of being great, but then perhaps don't back it up with the consistent long-term planning. Because when they lost uh, Galtier and uh, and Luis Campos, then in some senses, then the blueprint for their success was removed. So they might come back and qualify for the Europa League, but I think that the Champions League is now beyond them.
4: I think as well, the thing to keep in mind with Lille is sort of the financial aspect. You know, when when the new board came in, they were inheriting a very, very dodgy, uh, you know, financial situation. They had to get rid of a lot of players. They still have to make some money back on those players. And I think the obvious, uh, you know, candidate to potentially bring in some money for them to to redo the squad is uh, Jonathan David. Uh, you know, and I think if he moves on this summer, as expected, you know, that will probably see, uh, you know, some fairly wholesale changes made to the squad. Because when you look at it, it is a solid group of, of players and, you know, they can probably aspire to, to, you know, to to get themselves into a European position between now and the end of the season. But so many of these players are probably going to have to be moved on in the next year or so, given some of the ages of them. I mean, you know, look at somebody like uh, Jose Fonch in the, in the defense. Um, you know, you've got guys like Benjamin Andre. I know that he signed a contract extension, but these are guys who, you know, are not necessarily going to be evergreen for, for that much longer. Remy Cabello as well, you know, another old timer, uh, you know, so guys who are performing well and consistently at the moment, but I think there has to be more of an eye towards the future at some point with this little project, uh, you know, and Paulo Fonseca certainly is, uh, uh, you know, making a strong case for for him to be the man to, to oversee that the way that he has, uh, you know, managed to, to turn them around sort of after, you know, what was quite a, I think for for Lille, for Lille fans uh, you know quite a depressing governing period.
5: In the, term, thinking... have, sorry, in the short term I think we might so in the short term I think we might be having a slightly different um, conversation had Rebi Kabea not had such a nightmare particularly in the uh, the first half. Um, he missed three really great chances and then handed the ball over for the opening goal. Um, but again he, 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 bringing him in is a little bit like sticking plaster at the moment. It's not really a long term view and it's that that um, Lille are really looking for
2: I was just think I was just think that uh, the the point that you made about Leon is is is, is very valid as well for Leal Angus uh, Botman Mignon, Gabriel uh, before him Jonathan Icone I mean the the list the list goes on and on and on of, of players that have been sold by Leal and uh, yes they're still bringing through some some pretty decent players but you're right JJ it does seem that uh, Jonathan David is their most bankable asset but then again who do they replace him with well. That could, that's a little bit like our Deja Vu competition. That's probably one of the most awkward segues uh, ever for this, uh, for this podcast. <laughs> we, have, we have a winner, a winner, for our January jersey giveaway, which required intrepid listeners and uh, really very, very intelligent listeners to correctly answer four quizzes of football uh, trivia from our master trivia question setter, Robbie Thompson, and also identify the theme that linked them all. What a challenge it was, too. The answers, then, Ezekiel Lovetsy, Daniel Subasic, Johnny Rep, very, very blast from the past, and Franck Ribéry were the four players, and the connection, gentlemen, all lost a World Cup final. Lovetsy, 2014, Subasic, 2018, Johnny Rep, crikey, 1978 and Frank Ribéry, uh, I was there in Berlin 2006. Our winner, our winner, and uh, fantastic work from you, Berk Ertugrul. I'm probably the biggest Reese Healy fan in the world and probably the only one in Turkey, he says. Uh, I think that's a fair bet. I think that's a fair bet, Berk, that there's not many Reese Healy fans in Turkey, Unfortunately, you've not won yourself a Reese Healy shirt. You've got an Alexandre Lacazette Lyon jersey. But you will, of course, be delighted to see that Reese Healy back from uh, that long-term injury. Thank you, JJ, for that little comment. I, I hadn't seen that. He's, uh, Toulouse will be delighted to have him back. He did so well in their in their promotion. Oh, he's, he's back training, says JJ. Okay, it might be a little while before we see him on on the pitch. But that jersey... Burke will be winging its way to you in short order. So now it's time for this week's quiz, the first of our February quizzes, although we're still still in January, and uh, in honour of not one, but two classics between Paris Saint-Germain and Marseille this month. One in the league, of course, and one in the Coupe de France. We've got uh, a PSG or Marseille shirt to, to be given away. Not quite uh, sure who is uh, who's going to be the chosen one but you have a PSG or Marseille shirt up for grabs. So the question is, who am I? My 18-year professional career took me from my homeland to Europe, where I played in Portugal, Spain, England and Italy, as well as two notable spells in Ligue 1. While in France, I won each major trophy, the Coupe de France, even though I didn't play in the final, the Coupe de la Ligue and Ligue 1 Uber Eats to go with my English Premier League and Liga Crowns. My all-action style made me a fan favourite everywhere I travelled, including at both of my French clubs, which is no small feat. I played in two World Cups as I earned over 70 caps in my international career, and after ending my playing career where it began, I have now returned as coach. Who am I, and why did I miss the Coupe de France final? If you think you know who it is, or are just willing to take a wild stab in the dark like the rest of us, send your answers via email to league1podcast at gmail.com. JJ Angus, any ideas? Blanks. Blanks.
4: This one's going to take it. This one's going (laughs) to... It's going to take a while of reflection i think mm. it's uh i don't know i'm t- tempted to throw a few names out there but like you said it could be a stab in the dark at this stage oh we
2: do we do oh, love we... a stab in the dark on Le that's for that that's for sure just ask angus and uh and, and and his and his predictions <laughs> <laughs> oh it's it's the gift that keeps on giving It's the gift that keeps on giving anyway all that's left really is to look ahead to what we've got two rounds Of League on Action this week. We've got a midweek round and then we've got the usual weekend round as well. So we're going to be able to take a couple of bon voyages over the next seven days or so. (music) Gentlemen, a midweek round and an English week. As they call it uh, in in Germany for for some strange reason, uh, because they have they have weeks as well in Germany. I can I can confirm having lived there. We've also got weeks in France and uh, mid the midweek games standout fixtures. Well, one standout fixture for for uh, well fairly obvious reasons is, is a real battle at the bottom of the table. Angers against Ajaccio, Nantes against Marseille, a real classic of French football. Lens against Nice, pretty much the longest journey. Uh, that uh, Nice fans can make this season. Lyon against Brest, Montpellier against Paris Saint-Germain, that's midweek. PSG to lose at the weekend. Rennes-Lille, that's a, a very, very enticing game at uh, on Park. Um, actually, talking about on Park, I interviewed Hamari Troy and Artur uh last week, and um, ni- you'll be pleased to know neither of them, neither of them can get anywhere near my record of, of eight Saucis uh, Galette, Galette Saucis, excuse me, in one game i was i was i was pretty disappointed with that performance from them artetata said two or three and Amari trore uh, actually doesn't eat galette sausages which is which is probably no. fair enough for a professional sportsman and uh sunday next sunday is wrapped up with marseille nice always a bit of needle there so gentlemen over the next uh, couple of rounds of games what takes you fancy
5: um well i guess i'll i'll, I'll go first and um any excuse to go to the Stad bolout is uh, worthwhile taking up. So I think that I will plumb for, um, Lance against Nice, not just because they have, um, probably in my opinion, the best home support in the whole of Ligue 1, but also because Nice are now beginning to get on a little bit of a roll, And I think that that will be actually quite entertaining. And Lance will be very determined to get over a very disappointing draw for them. They really missed out on a chance. When you look back at it to really put, um, Paris Saint-Germain under pressure, they could have been level on points with them at this stage. They managed to do better. But anyway, um, so that's the one for me. I think Stade Bolette is is very good. Shall we leave the, the weekend until afterwards? As, as you like.
4: Well, you know what? I've been so impressed by Reims against PSG that I'm going to be going there for my first Bon Voyage if we are doing the weekend after as well. Um I want to see how they get on against Lorient. I was listening to what Will Still said after the, the PSG match, and he said that the point earned in Paris would be worth nothing if Reims can't beat Lorient. Uh, and that's, uh, you know... Talk, fighting talk so uh, I'm keen to see how that one plays out against a very good Lorient side obviously unexpectedly in contention for, for Europe at uh, at this moment in time and obviously I'll be enjoying uh, you know a couple of glasses of the city's famous champagne
2: as well <laughs> upmarket upmarket football fans uh, right here on on
5: Le Bourget the week the weekend then Angus are you going champagne as well I'll have a beer in lons <laughs> okay if that's if that's if, if that's better is that does that is does that please you I'm going to go to Marseille at the weekend. It's pretty much all that you'll be able to do in so. London. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> they, 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 there's only really one hotel as well, but fortunately it's right next to the ground, which is quite helpful. So, um, that makes a lot of money although I would advise anyone that ever
4: does go to Los to try uh, th- i think the the that same hotel does this fantastic dessert, which is basically a tribute to like the 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 mounds the the coal mounds, which is like a it's like a chocolate dessert, which is um Burnt. yeah sort of well it's it's got it's it's got like um like some very very dark chocolate, kind of like sprinkled on top of it, so it looks very very authentic and very true to the region. Honestly, it's fantastic. It's uh, recommended when you're in town.
5: Are you sure they didn't just serve you a bit of coal and you didn't realize and you didn't want to say anything because it would be embarrassing? Would have been embarrassing for them,
4: uh, seeing as they advertise themselves as pretty much the place to go and eat uh, <laughs> and stay while you're in Lens. But uh, no, it was. I I, I can uh, I I can confirm that it was uh, chocolate on the inside and uh, delicious. In fact.
5: Anyway, back to Marseille. And um, that's where I'm going at the weekend, Ian. And um, again, I guess I want to get my fill of Nice. I want to see whether or not they can come back and uh, keep this little run going that they they have and whether Marseille can do better. And it's always a Mediterranean derby is always a a good thing to go and see. So, uh, and Marseille has a lot more hotels <laughs>
2: including two right next to the stadium where I usually stay at, actually <laughs> and if we <laughs> and if we want to go for food and if we want to go for food there's a wide selection of 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 food choices right at right outside the stadium my particular favorite is the Thai restaurant if you're asking jj at the weekend
4: at the weekend i'm going to be going to Brest. i've already sold uh you the wonders of the molten slag heaps of loss <laughs> uh, but i would like to see Lens in action at least once next week so uh Uh, I will be going to Brest where there will be a veritable feast outside of the stadium as well with all of the local specialties and uh, Brest, you know, will be buoyed as well by that uh, win uh, this weekend just gone. So I'm curious to see how their form
5: plays out in this next week. They have the best restaurant actually of anywhere I've ever been uh, football related right opposite the stadium. It's absolutely magnificent with its seafood.
2: And a great, great, great seafaring reference there as well, uh, JJ with Boyd. I, I, I do like, I do like the gratuitous pun, even if it was totally unintentional. Well,
5: anyway, that's
2: like ship now. Oh, I think we're sinking here. That's uh, definitely. And this, this captain, <laughs> this captain is leaving this ship before it just gets any worse. So uh, head, head for, head for the life rafts. Just every, every man, it's every man for himself, and every woman and child. We're uh, an equal opportunities uh, disaster <laughs> area <laughs> at, at, at La Boche. Thanks for listening to us again. I've been uh, Ian Holyman, Jonathan Johnson. Thank you very much for joining me this morning. Angus Tirod as well. And uh, we'll see you again next week after a very, very busy week in the French top flight. Au revoir.
1: Here's an opportunity, Sanchez.
0: Outrageous goal Go back! Messi again,
1: this time maybe Messi's done it!